may, but if you don't do it, then he'll just take off because he has the gift of gab. Hey, you guys. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I guess it's Q&A, so if you got a question, if I can't answer it, I'll defer to one of the elders here. <laughs> hey, Sean, got a question for you. Yeah. You mentioned a couple of times mentors, people that poured into you. How important was it in the development of your spiritual gifts to have mentors that flowed in those giftings and imparted that, created that atmosphere that you kind of talked about? That's a great question. And, 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 and I feel like this, it's like, as a generation, we shouldn't always have to reinvent the wheel. We should be able to build on it. Like, like Elon Musk would not have Tesla if, some, if he had to reinvent the wheel, right? He built on the technologies and went before him. I think the thing with mentoring is that they begin to show you what is available and then uh, their lives gives you permission. How did Elisha get a double portion of Elijah's anointing? First thing was exposure. One of the things mentors do is they expose you to the fact that, let's say if it's a specific type of ministry, you begin to realize, oh, that's for today, that is available. Exposure led for Elisha, following Elijah, uh, desire. Once you're exposed, I desire it. Like, you, uh, my mentor moved in words of knowledge. We're going to talk about it a little bit. I'll take you in a bit of our teaching on word of knowledge school. Uh, he began to show that. I began to desire it, right? Desire leads to discipline. If you truly desire something from the Lord, this is what mentors do. They help you. You have to begin to discipline, right? You could say you want a healing anointing. You could say you want to grow in deliverance. But if you don't discipline your life, it's not going to happen. And the d discipline of, of Elijah, he says, okay, if you want this, you got to follow me wherever I go. So now he, he's, there's a discipline. And then the discipline uh, leads at certain point towards the demonstration of that, the manifestation. You mentors help you as you're stepping out. You make some mistakes. Uh, we were just talking about this, that they're, they're, they're little sacred cows I kick sometimes, right? And here's one of them. One of them was that uh, uh, fruit must be developed, gifts come fully formed. That's false, right? Uh, the Bible says in Hebrews 5.14, solid food belongs to the mature. Those who by reason of use have their senses trained to discern good and evil. The gift is perfect, but your fluency in that gift must be developed. And it, you're gonna, we'll talk about this over and over again. Uh, you got to be willing to be a fool before you'll be an expert. Not that any of us are experts, but you got to, uh, I, I, maybe a better way of saying it is there's no such thing as risk-free maturity. Mentors help you in that. You know what I think one of my mentors did, one of the biggest things? He just encouraged me. Like right after I would have a word, it would fall to the ground. It wasn't on, right on. He would just encourage me. Like, Sean, it's all right. Not the end of the world. Get back up. He said, hey, I major missed it before, and I major make it. Now, and I'll talk about the, I, I think you're mature enough. We're not talking about false prophecy, like I'm going to stand somebody up. You're supposed to go to Timbuktu. You're supposed to marry somebody. They're, they're, you're supposed to, you're going to have a baby. That, there are three major prophetic violations in that thing. I would never do that. We're, we're just talking about, hey, I, I just sense that boom, 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 boom. And we'll talk about it. But mentors help you grow. They give affirmation. They demonstrate. And they help you along your process. So that's overkill. But great question. Yeah. Next question. Yeah, Sean, um, just a couple of questions, if I may. Um, first question is this. Um, obviously, you've written a book on prophetic evangelism. You told stories in the first session about how that uh, began to flow initially. And um, I'm just interested in how that grew in your life. Was it growing or was it an instant like, hey, I've got this gift of prophetic evangelism and I'm flowing in it? Did it grow? And the second question is this. Often you come into to places and do a lot of events 
and, uh, and inspire and infuse people to, to move in the gifts of the Spirit and to function like that. How do you feel like um, long-term you pastor that and ingrain that into the life of a church? Oh, my God. These are great questions. Uh, for me, and I, I've talked to people, and, and I, I believe the Bible. I, I believe you believe the Bible. I believe the Bible. So Ephesians 4, right? Talks about five offices, right? Apostles, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teachers. I believe that they are in effect right now. We, we're not enter, we've not exited out of that age, so I believe that there are real modern-day apostles. I believe there are real modern-day prophets. Not everybody calling themselves apostle and prophet or apostle and prophet, but there are those. I'm not as much in the title. I'll give honor to someone else if they want that title. I don't have to have that title for me. It's all about function and the most important things. Okay, so now your question, right? It's, it's never been an instant thing for me. It's always been a process. It's always been I'm obedient to the very thing that God showed me, which leads me to the next thing. The best way I, I, I share with people, let's say the prophetic, getting words of knowledge, getting insight from the Lord about someone, it's like a box of tissue. If I want to get to tissue five, I got to pull tissue one, tissue two pops up. I pull tissue two, tissue three pops up, pull tissue three, and then I get to six. We want the entire thing at once. Like if I'm going to stand uh, Papa G up, I want everything God is telling me. But sometimes all I know is stand him up. And as he stands up, I get one thought. I share that one thought, and then another thought, and then another thought. And it becomes, you know, an entire word for him. But we, and this is one of the biggest nemesis, and I believe the reason why it's progression, one of the greatest nemesis or enemies to flowing in the gifts is we've been raised since this high to be control freaks. And the more you want to be in control, the less you're going to flow in the Holy Spirit because it's not about your control. It's about his control. And so we got to learn to pull our hands back off. And I love to use the phrase, can Jesus call an audible, right? In the middle of your sermons, and maybe this is how to implement the prophetic in your house, I get it. You got your order of service. You got your times. You got to hit. You got to get people in and out of the parking lot, multiple services. I'm not one of the itinerants that are oblivious to that and blast pastor for that. I think that's stupid. But at the same time, my friends ask me, and I say, hey, I'll submit this to you, bro. You're, you're my hero, right, sis, bro? But my issue is can Jesus call an audible? So you're up there, and you got your order of service, and all of a sudden the power of God falls. Do you have to continue doing the next little song and the next little video vignette and the next little, or can you stop and say, oh, my God, God's hit the place. Hey, come on, let's hit the altar. Like, respond to this. And like, you know, I had this message I was going to preach. I'm not going to preach it. The Spirit of God is here, right? The end game is that the presence of the Lord comes and people are transformed. So if that's the end game, let's let the Holy Spirit, who is the master of that, be it. So the way I would, I would implement it, like I, I hope I answered the first one, is it was gradual. And so I just, I'm always growing in it. Uh, someone correct me on the address. Is it 2 Timothy 3.15 where Paul tells Timothy, it says in the Amplified, practice, cultivate, meditate upon these things, give yourself entirely to them, that your progress may be evident to all. And so the reference is, is him and, and for Timothy, a gifts of the spirit. You must practice it, meditate on it, right? So I practice it. So you got to practice it. So I, I might even, if you're okay with it, we might even have a practice point for you. But here is the thing that I think I struggled with. I think there was a little bit of some teaching that came to me that's like, if it's God, brother, why would you need to practice it? Well, yeah, it's God, but do you realize that Samuel, that it says in Samuel, I believe, chapter 3, none of his words fell to the ground? 
Do you know in the beginning of Samuel, God called his name three times and he thought it was Eli? The dude that none of his words fell to the ground was 0 for 3. The dude offered, right? He heard a voice, Samuel. He ran to Eli. Is it you? Did you call me? No. Go back. He's going back to the ark, which is a good place to be hearing the voice of God, ministering under the Lord. First ministry is under the Lord before he's ever to people. Call his name a second time. Like, hey, was that you? No. Go back. Third time. No, I think it's God calling you. So he had to practice to learn the voice of God before he could get to none of his words falling to the ground. Why do you think it will be any different for you? you got to be willing to practice. you got to be willing to step out. you got to be willing to take some risks. And here's what I found out. If I can get a culture where people are willing to take some risks, what I would call some risks with some boundaries so we're not going to hurt nobody. If we can get a group of people, so what I would do is I'd get some leaders first and do some training and equipping or expose them to training and equipping uh, in the gifts of the Spirit, and specifically, I, I think the, what we're talking about here. I, I, and another thing, people will say, well, brother, that's not my gift. Time out. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. If, if all you got is a hammer, everything's got to be a nail. But if you got a full tool belt, then whatever problem presents itself, you can let Jesus be Jesus. Yeah. So I, I may be stronger in certain gifts, but I'll never, you'll never hear it come out of my mouth, brother, that's not my gift. Well, it's not me. It's the Holy Spirit. So even the gifts I think I'm strong in, it's not my gift. It's his gift flowing through me. So I'm not going to limit. You don't limit yourself either. But I would get a group of leaders. I'd begin to pour into them. And maybe in the safety net of some smaller groups, uh, have them begin to just pray for one another. And here's what we would do in our Chi Alpha. And, and maybe I'm already in teaching, but this is perfect, is that we would get one of our Chi Alpha students and we'd put them in what's called the encouragement chair. Notice encouragement. So it's no... No pressure. If I call it, this is the prophecy chair, and it must be a thus saith the Lord. You can hear the breaks in the spirit of everybody. We said, this is encouragement chair. And so I grew up with a lot of, uh, without a lot of encouragement, and so I have a passion to encourage people. It's like, like God does that, right? So we would just get our, we would just encourage them. We would just pray, and anything we can encourage, and you know what happened? Because the Bible says, right, that the, the gift of prophecy is for what? Comfort, exhortation, edification, which is based on encouragement. As we would begin encouraging him, invariably we would tie into a prophetic flow. And all of a sudden, we think we're encouraging. But then Papa G would say, oh, my God, that's the very thing I prayed this morning in my quiet time. Wow, that scripture is the very thing that's been my life scripture. And like, did you know that? No, we didn't know that. We're just encouraging you. But what happens is, is if you love the person in front of you, You've prayed up and you begin to encourage them, you'll unknowingly tap into a prophetic flow. And so that's what I would do with people is just encourage people. We're not going to put pressure on you. Go prophesy over someone or whatever. I mean, if you're seasoned in it and that's your verbiage, cool. But I'm just looking to encourage people. I'm just looking to comfort and build up people, believing that the Holy Spirit will put the super on my natural. And then, come on, I got a natural. Now I got a fade. Right? Super on my natural. And it will have application. And it's, it's so much more natural that way. You don't have to get weird and, and uber crazy, you know, to somebody. Did I answer your question, bro? I don't even know, man. Right, we got another question. Uh, yeah, Sean, I have a yeah. question. So you often lead people into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Yes. When you're setting that pinnacle moment up, what are some things you think through, would say to people as you steward that moment and some things that you would do afterwards? Yeah. One of the things when I'm doing is that, uh, I, I endeavor to build expectation. 
I think expectancy opens the door for the supernatural. When people have no expectancy, you got a, what, what was it, Jesus' hometown? What was it, Nazareth? He could not do many miracles there except heal a couple of people. He goes down the road to Gennesaret. They ran to him. They brought sick people. People were getting healed left and right. The familiarity or lack of expectation of the hometown blocked and chilled that stream of the anointing. So one of the things I build expectations. So I, I share the word. I may share whatever, depending on the amount of time. And I try to fill the person out. Rather than cookie cut, this is what I always do in front of any single person. I try to kind of allow the Holy Spirit to kind of uh, fill a person out. But I'll give them a biblical example. I'll maybe share how I got filled, the importance of it. But eventually what I do is that I, I kind of feel like some people, you wouldn't have a problem with this. Some people may have a problem with it. They get kind of uber religious on this thing. I feel like my job is to coach them now, right, to coach them as to how to connect with Holy Spirit. So what I would do is I would tell them what's going to happen, right? God, you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit is going to give you an utterance. But I just tell them your heart beating is involuntary. You speaking in tongues is voluntary. No, you got to do it. Some people don't know that. They're just thinking it's going to burst out of them like the Holy Spirit threw you on the ground and threw old school pop rocks in your mouth and your tongue is going to, you know. Maybe, but typically that's not everybody's experience. So I tell them. You know, John 7, verse 37, right? It says, out of your animals being shall flow rivers of living water. I said, it's going to begin to bubble up. And many times it gets blocked here. I may not go into this detail to someone. Sometimes it is right there. But what I say is you got to get out of your head and get into your heart. Yeah. So I need to help you do that. How can we do that? Begin to worship the Lord. Begin to tell the Lord you love him. I begin to tell them the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is more than tongues. Tongues is part of it, right? But I'm, I'm looking at, let's say we had a Ferrari Testarossa. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The spark plugs in the Ferrari Testarossa is speaking in tongues. Like, that thing ain't going to run without spark plugs, right? But the Baptist Holy Spirit is so much more than tongues. And I'm not getting that to, I'm not saying that to devalue tongues. I'm telling that to let them know there's a purpose. So their purpose isn't just to begin to speak what we would think or they might think is gibberish. It's the Baptist Holy Spirit is for you to be a witness. Baptism Holy Spirit is for you to become more tender to God and, and have his heart that you would share for the people in front of you. It is an empowerment that gives you power. It opens the doors that other gifts. So I'm, I'm, I'm a bit salesman. I hope I'm, I'm, I'm crass in some of my terminology maybe when I say salesman and coach. But I'm, I'm trying to build their faith and encourage them. And then in the instance they do not release the language. I, I say this, Right? I know there's some people, and there's a bit of an argument, is tongues the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Is it not? Is it? Here's what I say. I believe when you see the, when you see the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there is the enablement for you to speak in tongues. Why shouldn't you challenge them to believe, to receive it? Because that's the one gift that edifies them. The rest of the gift edifies others, but if you're not edified, how can you edify anyone else? Yeah. I'll be on a plane in some hours from now. They're going to give me the announcement in case of the pre-depressurization of the cabinet. Oxygen mask will fall. Place the oxygen mask on yourself and then place it on any children or any people that you need to assist. I remember when I first heard it, I go, that's, that's horrible. The plane goes down. You on your own, Junior. I'm going to get my oxygen mask on. But what they're saying is, is if you don't get it on you and you pass out, you and Junior both are fatalities. So we have so many ministers trying to put oxygen masks on others, they never got it on themselves. Yeah. So I want to help you right from the jump to understand God has to edify you for you to edify others. So, but having said that, I believe a person, we can lay hands right here and they can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and receive it, but not release their language till tonight 
at the, by their bed when no one else is around. They feel a little less pressure and not everyone. Did they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit on their bedside? I mean, if you want to quibble over semantics, there could be something that can make an argument. I think that when they were at the altar and they asked, and he was, Jesus said, if you ask, I'll give it. I believe it was there, but sometimes people in a corporate setting, when they feel that kind of pressure, pressure, and this is a, a teaching point, pressure, feeling pressure is always counterproductive to flowing in the gifts. I don't put pressure on myself. I used to, and I would just lock up, right? You just can't do it. I, I just stop that. I, I don't put any pressure. It's like I say, God, you do it, or we're going to go have salad today. I can't go get done. Lord, you got And I just rest. I just rest in God. I rest in the fact that I'm his son. I, 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 I rehearse in my head, God, I thank you. You met me there. You met me there. You met me there. And so those are the kind of things. Uh, uh, I don't know if I answered it. Bro. I'm just I'm just. Toddy Todd. Todd Lucas, oh. <laughs> a.k.a. Toddy Todd. <laughs> what would you say, I've had this question asked before, and you kind of answered it, but I guess on the flip side, you talked about somebody, they're filled with the spirit, but they don't manifest the gifts until later. Someone asked, can someone flow in the gifts without being baptized with the Holy Spirit? What's your answer to that? I would say someone, now, the term flow. I think a person can operate, touch a gift, but I think to flow in a gift I think you have to have an overflow in you. Other animals being shall flow rivers. And so I think that you have to have an immersion, baptismal, fullness, baptized on the Holy Ghost to flow. Now, the exception to that is, right, and I don't know if it's an exception, was A.B. Simpson baptized in the Holy Ghost? He said, seek not, forbid not. Many biographers say he was, but the dude was used mightily in healing. I believe God would just honor faith of people in the area of healing. I think that's just part of the gospel. But I would say most of the other gifts of the Spirit, it, if you're going to flow in them, you're going to probably have to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. But I believe there are people that will pray for the sick and can see a degree of what we would call success in that area. The argument would be, okay, A.B. Simpson, Christian Missionary Alliance, Google him. You better Google him. But he was used by, he wrote a good book on healing. And the question has always been with his biographers, was he baptized in the Holy Ghost? Was he not? And in other words, would he speak in tongues? Not. But he saw healings. Love his books. Love his ministry. But uh, I, 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 think, I think he did. But I don't know. I can't. I can't prove that. So, good, great question. Hello. Hello. So, with your experience with navigating in the spirit and encouraging us to be fools before we can be experts, what's been your experience with those disappointments of operating in the spirit and not seeing what you wanted, what they expected, or seeing that person who was sick die and pass away, how has that edified your experience and matured you to be to the part where you are today? Great question. And it might be the question of the moment for the emerging generation right now where we're at. A couple of thoughts on that. Uh, number one, uh, I've wanted to quit uh, ministry, different points in my life, but I've wanted to quit operating in the gifts of the Spirit many times because of those disappointments. Never wanted to quit serving Jesus. But let me preface it very quickly or follow that up by saying, the Lord won't let me go in that area. Like right after I pray for someone and let's say they die, or right after I operate in a gift and it just wasn't received, it seemed like it, it did not go over, I just go, I, I joke with my wife like, that was my last time, I'm retiring, right? And the Holy Spirit immediately gripped me. And it's like, I can't let go. Can't let go. Can't. I, I've seen too much. And, and here's the thing. A great baseball hitter is only going to get 
three and a half hits per 10 times at the plate, and they'll make multiple millions of dollars, meaning that they're not getting on base over half the time, but that is a good batter. If I pray for 10 people, right, but every 10 people, I pay three and a half people get healed, isn't it still worth it? That's where I arrive at at the end of the day. I'm like, that's a better uh, percentage if I don't swing at all. And I think people just stop swinging. And I'm just saying, keep swinging, right? Babe Ruth is a strikeout king, but for a long time, he was the home run king, right? And so I just think you got to keep swinging. Here's the other thing. The Lord shows me that he's perfecting me. I'm growing in my ability to partner with him. Now, death is one of those things where sometimes I say, it's hard for us to believe, especially us remain, but that's healing for a believer. Like, they ultimately, I prayed for my mom about two years ago. My mom passed. She just had her birthday. And I prayed for that. When I saw people get healed of the very disease that she died from, but I thought, she's running around heaven right now without a disease, probably about 30 years of age, no creaky body, nothing, and just having a wild time. And I'm going, well, that's, that, I think that's all right. You know, and so death is one of those difficult things. But here's the thing that I that I would say is your faith can't be in your experience or your track record. Your faith has to be in Jesus. And if your faith is in your track record or your current experience, you're going to either burn out, quit or deconstruct pretty quickly. But your eyes have to be on Jesus. We have to get your eyes back on Jesus and go. Uh, <laughs> sometimes life. It's tough, right? But God is good. That's, yes. that's it. At the end of the day, God is good. I just say, okay, God, you're good. And then I don't see his purpose. That's the other thing. He's omnipotent, right? Omniscient is actually what I'm going after. He's omniscient. He knows all things. I got a very finite little peanut fraction. Actually, not even a peanut. I got like a sunflower seed, and I only use a fraction of a sunflower. That would be my brain. And I don't get it all. So I'm just going to obey him. And that's what I think it really gets down to now is I'm moving beyond my feelings into obedience. But I find passion in obeying the king. I, I find passion. I'm, I, that, that drives me to obey. And there's something about faith in devastation that God particularly loves. He values. David said to the priest, All right, I will not give a sacrifice to the Lord that didn't cost me anything. Sometimes it's costly to pray after the last time you prayed. You didn't see what you wanted to see. But God sees that is, is, a, is a costly sacrifice, and I think he loves that. Great question. That is the question right now. There are many churches wanting to pray for the sick anymore because of that, and I'm going, how many people could have been healed if you'd have just began to pray? And then here's what I find out. Anybody that begins to pray in something, you begin to grow in results. What I find out in the area of healing, and I'll just throw this in, I'll keep praying till I get a breakthrough in an area, and after that, it's, it's like... Go with me on this verbiage. It's like I get into a realm where it becomes easier to see that happen again and again now. Uh, I've prayed and I've seen more blind eyes open. I've seen more deaf ears pop open. Just in the last couple years, we've seen Alzheimer's, Lou Gehrig's disease, which is the medical community says the deaf center. We saw a man healed. He testified. We, we prayed for this guy at Rich Wilkerson Sr. in Dr. Robin's church. He, Rich put it out there. And put it, the dude's completely healed. I mean, he had a death sentence one day. We prayed for him, prophesied over him. Wednesday goes to the doctor. He says, I don't understand. The doctor says, you, you, got, you got a miracle. So it's, you're healed. And then we had another kid at a, a church in Arizona, Down syndrome. 
uh, was on, autistic, excuse me, autistic, was on the scale, prayed for him, went back, got medically released, but then the school is harder because they want to keep you in that system. So they did three different separate tests. This kid uh, is off the chart, and last time we went to the church, he's leading, he's, he's now eight years old, leading the entire church, praying in the Holy Ghost for the nations of the world. So I feel like, hey, you're going to break through an area of healing. Like, like, so sometimes it's hard in the, in the beginning, and once you get that breakthrough, you begin to realize you'll get more breakthroughs after that. It, it comes uh, in levels, if that makes sense. Maybe a couple more questions, yeah? Uh, yeah, I'm going to quote you, I think, pretty, hopefully close. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> no, it's a good one. It's a good okay, one. okay. Uh, you cannot believe in something you're not believing for. Yes. Um, is that just a matter of orthodoxy versus orthopraxy, or do you want to unpack that a little more, like, I was kind of thinking about it after you shared it, and yeah. just curious, any more thoughts yeah, you it have? it is that, and I can unpack a little bit more. It's like, I think we say we believe in stuff, but sometimes we have to be put in a position. For instance, my situation in Argentina where the woman was born blind, you'd ask me, do I believe God can open blind eyes? Yes. But I'm believing in something. Now, I gotta believe for it. There's a woman that's never seen, she doesn't even have iris or pupils, nothing. And she's asked me to pray for it and that God would open her eyes. So I had to move from believing in something, theoretically, and, and I feel like you don't see as many churches do it now, but in a past era, they would put what they believed up on the wall, their creeds. And I, and I just feel like God is saying, the reason why we need the Holy Spirit is so we can turn them creeds into deeds. Like, it's cool that it's on the wall, but I'd rather it be in your life. That's turning, believing in something, now I'm believing for something. And I believe activation is the key between that. That we've got all this stuff in head knowledge, but until we walk it out, until we put a demand on that, until we activate that gift, it's theoretical If at the end of the day. So it's like, it's good that you believe in it, but here's what I believe. It, when it's revelation, like, okay, we were talking about this, Pastor Ricky, this is awesome, right? So I, I see this one particular healing uh, evangelist years ago. And he had a certain mannerism about him. And so I found myself in meetings, not completely, but I was kind of mimicking his movement just a little bit, just slightly, because I'm not going to get away with that, right? And, and I wasn't seeing the results, and I was kind of frustrated. I said, God, you know, I prayed like he prayed, and my little intonation and my voice, all that kind of stuff. And uh, blind dice open, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and, and God says, the movement of healing out of him is the final stage. Do you know there's a stage before that? Oh, and so the Holy Spirit kind of began to teach me. The stage before that is conviction. If I want to mimic this healing evangelist or the prophetic, whoever you're looking at, you want to mimic their movement, you first have to have their conviction. But before you can have their conviction, you have to have their revelation. So watch this. Revelation produces conviction. Conviction releases the movement. You, until you have a revelation of what you're saying you believe in, it never becomes conviction. Tommy Barnett has a revelation that Jesus is a soul winner. It's a conviction. You get around the man. Man, people are going to get saved. But you can't just mimic the outward movement. You have to first have the revelation that produces the conviction. Out of the conviction comes the movement. So that process of believing in something to believing for is that process of revelation, conviction, movement. Amen. Uh, so my question, uh, I'm a Kyle missionary at uh, the University of Illinois at Chicago. And one of the things our team is passionate about is seeing the release of the spirit on campus, but the, the strongholds that we are encountering are, first of all, a lack of Christian students altogether. 
And then those students that are, we are deeply connected to tend to be either Hindu, Muslim, or LGBTQ. And uh, what advice would you give us of how to see the movement of God be released on the campus with those students who have no idea what to, to expect or anything like that? What, what would your advice be? Yeah, you know, it, it's funny. My son, uh, as a young kid, wanted to play basketball. He wanted to get a scholarship to Cal Berkeley. We would go to Cal Berkeley games. We would watch players. And then I would take him to Warrior Games back when Warrior Games was cheap. But I exposed him to people that were more accomplished at something he wanted to grow in to give him a vision for the more. Uh, there's a, many things I would say, but I would get some of them because this is what I do. I put some of them students in my car and I would drive out to a meeting of somebody that flowed in the power of the spirit. We'd have an entire teaching moment. You know the old adage that uh, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear, right? Once I would take these kids out and they would experience that. And it might just be a salt conference. Now we got conversation. Somehow I got to expose them to it. And, and that can happen through me operating in it, but it could also happen to me. So I would take them out in smaller groups so that I can expose them to it to start that process of exposure, exposure, desire, desire, discipline, discipline becomes the demonstration in their life. But the other thing is pouring into one person. Just take one person or maybe two, pour into them. Let, let your life impact their life. Pray for them. Get them. I would get students to pray with me for the campus. Pray with me for their lost friends. Because I, I feel like prayer brings intimacy with who you pray to, who you pray with, and who you pray for. And so I recognize that thing. And so I would get them to pray with me. Meet them early hours. They wouldn't want to. I'd go pick them up. I'd drive them. I'd treat them to breakfast. I, whatever I do. I, I thought if I get you praying, I got you. That's, that was my thought. I got you. And, and the other thing is too is it you, Kyle, was excellent. This we come on, Kyle Nation. We build a community of family. This generation wants family. Gen, uh, Gen Z's now, right? Those are the ones on the college campus. They want family, and particularly if they're from another nation. And the same thing with LGBTQ. Uh, couple thoughts on that. Number one, it is a unique sin in that you know it's a sexual sin. It's an identity thing. But at the same time, the blood of Jesus still covers that. And, and there's an answer. I, I learned this years ago. I opened air at San Francisco State. This was before the LGBTQT is when they called themselves, some of the cop is older, may know it. They called themselves the Gay and Lesbian Student Alliance. The G, uh, whatever, I'm forgetting the acronym. But yeah, and so this guy, I, I, it's on things, so maybe I'll be careful. This apologist came and he put up placards of arguments for the resurrection and the proof and existence of Jesus Christ. The GS, whatever, Gay and Lesbian Student Alliance, lifted this dude and his signs up and threw him in the pond at San Francisco State. My campus pastor said, hey, Sean, we going there. I'm like, what? <laughs> and I'm telling you, I, I, this may not be everywhere. These were buff guys. They weren't like the skinny little dudes, right? These were big buff dudes. Like It, it was like, oh, my God. And so we go out there. My campus pastor didn't tell me this. We do a little thing to draw a crowd. He would break, break bricks, bend steel bars, all this stuff. I would do martial arts, bring brick boards, and all this stuff. So the crowd comes, and he says, "Right now, this young man is going to share with you." And he hands me the mic. I've never preached open air before outside of my own campus. I've just shared my testimony, and now I'm at San Francisco State. The Gay Lesbian Student Alliance have made a human chain, locking each other up. They're looking mad, like they're about to throw this brother in the pool. And I already told folks last night I didn't like water. Okay, just saying, right? And so 
I didn't know what else to share outside of my story about how God healed me of an orphan spirit, fatherlessness. Five people broke that line and walked forward and gave their life to Christ, and many others around walked forward, bowed their heads. I later talked to Winky Prattney, who's been a mentor to me, and he said, Sean, you know the number one message for the Gay Lesbian Student Alliance or LGBTQT uh, is the Father's heart for them. They're orphans. And so that message of the Father's heart. And so I think that's one of the big ways to kind of get an inroad to talk to them. And here's what I say. I know that we want to first start off like, don't have same-sex attraction. Don't. But that's not the place to start. The place to start is the love of God, the purpose and destiny on their life. We love you. And from there, allow that love to sink in. What did, the, what did Jesus say to the woman caught in adultery? He first said, where are those, after he dealt with them, where are those that condemn you? Neither do I condemn you. Where do we begin? We condemn folks. Now, he did say go and sin no more. We'll get to that, right? But first, we got to begin with, I'm not here to heap condemnation on you. I'm here to understand that through Jesus Christ, there can be freedom, and we love you. And I know that's a tricky area, and there are people much more uh, stronger in that area, but that's what I would do. And then the other thing, I would have them with me when I go pray for people. Like, stand, be on my side as I'm praying for this person with the baptism of the Spirit. I, I take, come with me as we're going to go pray for this dude right here. And then they would ex be exposed to that. I'm sure there are other better answers, but that's the best I can give you right now. Now, okay, it's up to you guys. We can continue in questions, or I could share some thoughts. Uh, I can be very specific on words of knowledge. Uh, so it's your call. Like, I, I just want to do what would serve you. So do that. Okay, we're going to do that. All right, I'm going to put this away because obviously I'm going to have to walk. I'm going to get, right? A couple things that may help. I, I, Pastor Ricky has got a plan, so you got to talk to him. He'll plan a plan. I've got a couple. I've got a book out there on revival, uh, about 40 different, I cover about 40 different revivals, outpourings, awakenings, and reformers. It's called I Am Your Sign. I was so impacted by Winky Prattney's book, uh, Leonard Ravenhill, Why Revival Terry's. I wanted to write a book on historic moves of God, but point to the next move of God. I believe there'll be a billion soul harvest in the earth. I'd be the greatest number of people that ever give their life to the Lord are about to. I believe the greatest signs and wonders era and the greatest move of the Spirit ever. We are going to live to see it. I believe it. But uh, specifically, I think one of the guys mentioned, I wrote a book, Prophetic Evangelism. This is the latest edition, so it's brand new. Uh, I, I had an original book of this, and I rewrote 60% of it. And, uh, well, actually, 60% new material, rewrote the other 40%. Prophetic Evangelism is how to move in the gifts of the Spirit in the marketplace. So we've got that out there. And then I've got an entire, <laughs> somebody said, bro, are you charging how much money for mints? That was a good one, <laughs> No, it's not mids. It is a USB. It has 24 hours of teaching on how words of knowledge, practicals. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit about it. Uh, uh, words of knowledge school, how to sharpen your spiritual gifts, how to, uh, uh, ah, I got to open it up and say it. I'm forgetting all the stuff that's on here. And I'm not trying to sell it. I'm just kind of, well, I am kind of, but I'm just trying to let you <laughs> We're, don't buy it because we got a plan for you on this. So maybe you'll And I mentioned that before so that the end. So um, we are paying for all of that. Stone Creek is going to foot the bill for that whole thing, all the material, because we don't want them to come back with anything. And, or to, well, I don't want to have to pay for all that to get back on the airport. So um, we have uh, bought it all, and it's free for you today before you leave. And I'll just say, um, our hope would be, I think, Sean, maybe we want to make sure Chi Alpha and some of these younger leaders maybe can get this in them earlier. 
And so, you know, there's quite a bit there, but we just, all the books and everything's been purchased. And all we ask is this. I've always been told, because I don't want to have to do this at the end if we have like a really good move of the Holy Spirit at the end. But we'll put the giving slide up. If at some point between now and the end you'd like to give to Sean's ministry and invest in that, I've always thought, you know, it's good to sow seed in some good soil. And uh, so you can give in Venmo. If push pay, you want you can scan the QR code in the back of the chair and just put um, Sean Smith in the other part. Or you can give in the giving envelope and just put Sean Smith on that. We'll make sure all of that gets to him today. But we just really wanted to make a huge investment. I learned from my spiritual father, we got to keep investing, right? Yep. So we'd love uh, for you to just go at the end and get that before you leave. Awesome. Thanks, Sean. Perfect. So all I need, to, amen. And there's limited supplies, so I'm, I'm glad he told you. This is basically 24 hours of teaching. It's an e-course on prophetic activation. So maybe that's the best way to say it. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn off my notes because I, I just got to, for the sake of time, we're just going to have to go for it. All right, that's what I can say. Spiritual son of mine uh, saw me flowing in some words of knowledge, and he said, Sean, would you, would you mentor me? And, uh, you know, I prayed about it. It was pretty quick, my prayer. I felt like, yep, I'm supposed to do it. And so... He says, hey, would you mentor me in words of knowledge and the prophetic? He says, I don't hear the voice of God. Okay, so I said, all right, lesson one begins right now. Stop saying you do not hear the voice of God. I don't even want you to think that for too long. Like the enemy can throw a fiery dart. Don't entertain that thought, right? Don't entertain that thought because why? John 10, 27, my sheep know my voice, voice of a stranger when I follow. Even when I feel dull, and let's be honest, we all feel spiritually dull sometimes. Even when I feel like I'm not getting clarity, I still go back and speak the word of God. Our challenge in this generation, I'm not just talking about 25, 30 and under. I'm talking about believers, ministers on the planet now, is we think truth is found in our feelings. Truth isn't found in your feelings. Truth is found in scripture. Right? Amen. Right? So stop saying, I don't hear the voice of God. Know that now I'm going to say something sounds controversial. Stick with me. Don't throw stones at me for being a heretic. Let me finish it. Now people are like, oh, what's he going to say? Okay, what? You ready? You ready? Here it comes. You ready? You do not hear the voice of God because you pray and fast. All right, now I'm going to follow it up. Stick with me. You hear the voice of God because you're created in his image. Praying and fasting fine tunes your ability to hear the voice of God. But if I believe that I only hear the voice of God because I pray and fast, there's going to come a point where I go, uh-oh, I may not have prayed and fasted enough. I can't hear from God. No, you hear from God because you're created in his image. No, you hear from God because you're a son and daughter of the most high God. You're cre- he breathed the nephesh, that, that dirt became a living soul. But I do pray, I do fast because it finds tunes my hearing. So understand, it is part of your birthright to hear the voice of God. Okay, we'll go quickly on this. All right, I'm just going to try to check off some things in my head. Some problems we have on hearing the voice of God clearly is that we mistake the volume of God's voice. The volume of God's voice is not what you saw in that old Ten Commandments movie or any movie of God where it's this booming bass voice. Moses, Moses, take off thy sandals for the place thy stand is holy ground. No place in the Old Testament do you have God yelling, shouting, screaming. We do have one example of the volume of God's voice. It says for Elijah that it wasn't in the earthquake, right? It wasn't in the wind. It wasn't in the fire. It was in a still, small voice. I want to begin to focus there. I happened to travel early on, was mentored by another guy who was a prophet, office gift prophet. I would go with him in meetings. I would catch. He would stand someone up. 
you live in a yellow house. I, I, I can see as we walk in the foyer, you got a picture up there. It's you, your wife. You got a golden retriever dog. You got, looks like a little daughter. Looks like she's about six years old. They would shake and they would fall out. And I'd, I'd catch him and lay him down. And he'd stand someone up. Very gifted like that. And so I got a chance to travel with him a little bit. And I, I thought, this dude probably has an angel that we don't see comes and speaks to him right in his ear and his ear turns red and like, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, I don't know if my ear turned red, you know, because uh, I'm a brother, first of all, but you know, maybe it could, I don't know. <laughs> We're driving back one day and I was talking to him and he said, Sean, he says, no, an angel didn't come to me. And he says, 90% of what I get is impression. If you don't get anything else, get that. Impression? Like I sat there, and no matter what he said after that, I, I, I missed it because I was in this thing. Like, how many times have I discounted impression that I think is something light so it can't be God? God certainly wouldn't speak through impressions. What do you mean by impressions? It, I mean it surfaces as a thought. Okay, keep going with me. We're going to keep going. Your brain cannot process revelation. Your spirit can. So when God speaks, he speaks spirit to your recreated spirit. So technically, the voice isn't coming from out there. The voice is coming right here because he lives inside of you, right? So your spirit processes revelation. So when God first communicates, it's spirit to spirit, but it bubbles up. The Hebrew word for prophecy is nabi. It means to bubble up. He speaks spirit to spirit, revelation to revelation. But follow me. It bubbles up as a thought. In your head. Because if it never comes to your head, if it never comes to your soulish realm, you would never know God spoke to you. So what happens is we're looking for this outward voluminous voice with our ear when in fact that's not God's way of speaking. Now, can God speak audibly? Certainly he can, right? But I would submit to you it's the fine china. Any of y'all have fine china? Your mama, your grandmama, your auntie, your big auntie, you bust out with that on Easter. We know Resurrection Sunday. Thanksgiving and Christmas, but you'll eat off your fine china every day. God speaking to you audibly is the fine china, but maybe you're missing the day to day. We ate off paper plates and mismatched cups, but I was hood. Y'all probably got matchy plates, all right? But that is how God speaks to you day to day. So let me break it down another way, okay? Just go with me on it. I'm just giving you metaphors to help you understand, right? UFO science fiction movies, I've watched some of them. I don't watch a lot of them, right? Aliens have this ability to do what's called mental telepathy, right? They don't speak English. We speak English, so they go, you know, they show up. They're not moving their mouth, but in, their, in the earthling's head, they hear the voice, right? And, of course, the earthling speaks English back, but there's an ability of the aliens to project the thought. Because what is communication? You're hearing an auditory wave that lands on your ear. Your ear begins to convert it in your brain. You get an image of something you have either associated with a thought or an experience you had. And so it leaves you. So ultimately, communication is really about the picture in the brain. Just nod your head like you're still with me. God bypasses the speaking auditory wave hitting your ear. He has the ability to just go with me like that science fiction construct of mental telepathy, God is able to drop the thought in your head. The majority of way, it's a given, the, the vast majority, he speaks through his word. So <laughs> you got to get in his word, right? 
I see people prophesy. They don't have enough word in them. So when the Holy Spirit quickens, they got to prophesy something off Lord of the Rings. They don't have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in them. So be in the word. So when the Holy Spirit quickens, you can prophesy the word and not prophesy an MCU movie thing on them, okay? All right. So I just got off that horse, all right? But God projects thoughts. You go, oh, I don't know about that. Prove it. Mark chapter 5. The Bible says the woman with the issue of blood says if I could just touch the hem of Jesus' garment, I'd be made whole. All right, where'd that thought come from? We're going quick. Three possible, right? Spirit of God, spirit of man, spirit of darkness. Let's do a process elimination. It ain't the devil, folks, because the devil don't want you to touch Jesus. Again, context says woman with the issue of blood suffered 12 years, said for she thought if I could just touch the hem of Jesus' garment, I'd be made whole. Not the devil, so here's the twins, right? I call them the twins. Is it me? Is it God? Is it me? Is it God? How many of you struggle with that? You get something. Is it me? Is it God? You're praying, and the thought comes, is it me? Is it God? Okay, now I'm going to help you. I've been around twins before, and the first time you meet twins, if they're identical twins, many times you can't tell them apart. You have to familiarize yourself. you got to hang with them a minute. You go, ah, you got a cleft in your chin. Oh, she got a little dimple right there. He likes to wear his hair a little different. Now I can tell the difference. Sometimes your thoughts look like, that's why people... You ever, people believe they heard from God, and they later find out it wasn't, and they go, oh, my God. Well, you were fooled by the twins. So what I say is you got to understand what are the distinctions between your voice and God's voice. So the woman, for she thought. Now, I can give you some topical stuff to make a difference. Your thoughts are usually selfish. They're usually about you. It's about how you can get more followers on Instagram, how you can become Insta-famous, how you're the person. Uh, God's thoughts are, are bigger picture thoughts. It's usually not about you per se, at least not that you're the end of it all. He might, he might be expressing his love towards you, he might be expressing a gift he's placed inside of you, but usually it has a bigger scope to it. It's more macrocosmic than microcosmic. Uh, earthly thoughts, which is sometimes when I say thoughts of man, it may not just be your thoughts, it could be worldly thoughts. They're sensual, right? It's something that builds up the flesh. They're ego-driven, all that kind of stuff. But God's thoughts are, you know, and I, I love to do this. The Bible talks about whatever is true, honorable, right, just, lovely, good repute, any excellence, anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell upon these things. Then the more I dwell on those, the more I can hear God's voice. Okay, back to this thing. How can I tell the twins apart? Okay, another, I always think these analogies help people. If I had two beach balls, I filled up one with my breath. So it's actually not oxygen, it's CO2. You want to be technical, right? Carbon dioxide. I filled this one up with helium. I hit them both in the air. How would I know which beach ball had helium in it? Okay, now, correct, and, and you're on it. But remember, I hit them both up. So initially, they're both going up. One stays. When, it keeps going. When you think a thought, it's like you hit it in the air. So you're thinking a, a thought is in the air. So it must be God. What I say is pray and wait on it. Because why? There is a weight to God's thought. The word glory in the Hebrew is kabod, right? Kabod, kabod. That means weight. God's thoughts have a weight to it. But the only way you can find out the weight, W-E-I-G-H-T, is you got a W-A-I-T in his presence to discern the W-E-I-G-H-T. So when I first think a thought, I hit that thought up. But here's what the old-timers say. I love, see, I love their verbiage. Because in the Old Testament, the priest had Urim and Thummim. 
I hope I said that right. One time I said urine and thumbing. No, no, no. Urim. <laughs> they wouldn't keep a urine in it. <laughs> Cut that out of the videotape, bro. Okay, help a brother out. Right. Urim and thumbing. And they were like dice. One would light up, meaning a yes. One would light up, meaning a no. So I'll, I'll talk about this in a, in a moment. But it helps me to make things binary. I'll explain that to you to hear from God. God, are you on this or on you on this? When I'm beginning to hear from God, if I lay out 20 things before the Lord, for me, it's a little harder. But once you begin to grow in it, not so much. I'll, I'll explain something on that. But the Urim and Thummim of the Old Testament is that one would light up if it was a yes, one would light up if it's a no. Guess what? In the New Testament, the Urim and Thummim is in you. And the old timers would call it a check or a witness. Like I'm praying over that, bless God, brother. I just feel a check on that. I don't feel like you're supposed to do it. So in other words, what they're saying is the thought is sinking inside of me. Or someone else, intercessor, you go, brother, or, or they would say to you, sister, that is a witness. I witness to that. What they're saying is I feel a rise on it. So when you pray over something, begin to discern, do you feel it sinking or do you feel it rising? Now, it's going to be a bit subjective. You're going to say, what does the sink and rise feel like? I think part of it is staying power. That Here's what people say. I knew it was God. Why? Because I couldn't seem to shake it. If you pray over something, you can't seem to shake it. Now, again, the given is it's got to line up with Scripture. It's got to line up with what you know to be true of the character of God. That's the given. I'm speaking to ministers, or else we'd spend a whole lot more time on it. So, word, okay? <laughs> word being a word, right? So, now, what does the voice of God sound like? Uh, can I take about five, ten more minutes? Okay. What does the voice of God sound like? You ready for this? All right? Ooh, ooh, I'm so fired up, y'all. <laughs> the voice of God sounds like a sudden awareness associated with a unique conviction. I'm going to prove this to you. Write it down, though. What does the voice of God sound like? I'll say it again. I will. A sudden awareness associated with a unique conviction. I'll prove it to you. Okay? Sudden awareness associated with a unique conviction. Okay? They've proven this about us as human beings. That we think linearly, 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 there we go. There is a logical connection between our thoughts. And the term is, they've given us the term, cognitive association. I think about that, which makes me think about that. I've seen this commercial, which makes me think about that, makes me think about that, makes me think about that. 11.45 at night, I'm at Taco Bell getting a chalupa. Y'all got Taco Bell? <laughs> I wouldn't be there. I don't eat that stuff no more, all right? I did it in my college days, but not now, right? But can you see how in Google, down the road from where I live, they call it mind mapping. They would draw a topic in a circle. They would draw a line, and they'd get a thought, and someone else would, would volunteer this, and someone else thought about this in the round table group, and all of a sudden, that's how you think. So watch this. Remember, we're trying to discern the twins. I, I now say God's volume is still a small voice impression, most often than not. Thoughts, because he's, he's revealed to my spirit, but it bubbles up as a thought. If it never comes as a thought, my brain can't process information. My, uh, excuse me, my brain can't process revelation. It only processes information. My spirit releases, release, receives the revelation, and it comes up as information, which I'm calling a thought. Okay, y'all still with me, right? Still trying to work this out. Okay, so we think cognitive association, right? This is your speaker today. Now, I'm not a loser. Let me explain what I mean by this. I'm a left brain, left brain analytical processor. My wife is right brain, artistic, intuitive, allegorical. 
it was harder for me to, to hear the voice of God. I would get around the prophets, and they would describe their hearing the voice of God in what I would call right brain terminology. And I thought, that I, I, I can't process that. that. That's not going to help me. And they would often give you, so like, bless God, uh, an angel appeared, and he just breathed on me, and I began to have this ability to hear the voice of God. Brother, you just need to go get your angel breath on your ears. And I'm like, what? That is not helping me, right? And so I said, God, if you help me to put feet to hearing the voice of God as a left brain logical computer engineer degree person, I promise you, God, I'll give it to as many people. So this is where a lot of this has come from. I would take from these right brain people, but what I'm saying is this is a left brain thing, okay? So what does the voice of God sound like? Okay, we already talked about the whole process, right? The spirit of spirit bubbling up. Okay, God's thoughts come out of no place. Like you're thinking about something and a thought interrupts your thought. So when you want to tune in to God, right, I say, it sounds like a sudden awareness associated with a unique conviction. Want to tune in to God, keep staring, stay with me, tune in to spontaneity. Like, look for the thought that came out of no place. Like, all of a sudden, man, I'm in my prayer time, I'm driving down the road, and I immediately think about a minister friend of mine in Texas. Begin to pray. And as I begin to pray, all of a sudden, I go, you know, I think, I think I'm supposed to pray for him in this area. Call him up. Because if you don't give expression to the impression, you'll never gauge the impression. If you don't give expression to the impression, the impression will never grow. So many times we're getting inklings, we're getting thoughts, we're getting like subtle reminders of the Lord. But we never release it so we don't never know if we're hearing from God or not. So I call my friend up. Hey, bro, man, I'm just driving down the road. Man, I'm thinking about you, praying for you. How you doing? Oh, my God, man, we're having junior Armageddon. Man, this is going on. I said, wow, what did I find out? I'm just driving down the road. A thought intersected my thought process of my friend Sherman, and all of a sudden, boom, I'm getting to pray for him. I submit to you, their words of knowledge happen to you all the time. All the time. But you dismiss them. I dismiss them. We just think, oh, it's just a thought. No, no, no. Stop and discern. How did that thought come to you? Because if you're reminding yourself of a past event, if you're having a line of thinking that's leading you someplace, I'm not saying that could not be God directing you, but I'm saying if you want to get the quicker identification, look for the thoughts that came out of no place. Now, let me prove something to you. All thoughts that come out of no place or spontaneous thoughts are not of, of God. It's of the Spirit, though. You ever been praying and get a lustful thought? Oh, my God, Lord, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have been thinking about that lustful thought. Oh, God, forgive me. Stop. Time out. You didn't think it. The enemy shot a flaming arrow. Because unless you've been meditating on online porn before, now you're getting that thought, whole different deal. But if you're not doing that, and you're in your prayer time, that thought flashes, it's spiritual communication, but it's from, the dark, it's from darkness. Because remember, sudden awareness associated with a unique conviction. So that thought comes, like, don't come under condemnation. I'm like, nice try, devil. I'm not even going to battle that thought. I don't receive it. I'm going to keep praying, right? Why am I going to take time out of my quiet time to start battling and binding and all that that's not my thought. I don't have control over birds flying over my fade, my afro. But I do have control whether or not it lays a nest in my fro, okay? I'm not going to lay, let it lay a nest. I didn't think that. I'm not viewing online impurity. I don't receive that. I just keep praying like, nah, devil. But you got to understand, my point being, it was spiritual communication. It didn't come from me. So are you getting this? When you want to tune into God... First of all, spend time in his presence because the secret place is the training place for the market space. 
The secret place is the training place for the market space. That if you're serious about hearing the voice of God, like uh, Samuel, it says he laid beside the ark ministering to the Lord. Getting God's presence and minister to God. If you don't get anything else, if you want to hear God's voice more clearly, begin there. Okay, that's a given. Begin there. Okay, now, let me see how we got. Okay, we're still doing all right on a little bit of time. I don't want to take you too much longer. Okay, so now the sudden awareness associated with a unique conviction. So now how do I take that from my, because by the way, practice in the closet. Nobody watches Jimmy Kimmel or the other Jimmy, you know, daytime talk show. I'm using them for a reason. Follow me. Nobody watches them for the first part. I mean, exclusively watches them for the first part of their show. First part of the show is called a monologue. They come out and they'll tell jokes, right? You stay because the celebrity is going to come get on the couch, and now they're going to have a dialogue. So many people's prayer time is just the monologue. All you do is telling God what you need, what you need God to bless. You're checking off the list, and then you peace out, deuces, bounce. And I'm saying you got to wait after you do your prayer time. And here's what I do. Wait before the Lord and allow him to speak. Get on the couch with God. You did your stand-up, right? But now take time and get on the couch with Holy Spirit and begin to speak to him. And, and here's the thing. This may be your experience. It's been mine. Sometimes I don't feel like I get anything, can I be honest? But I feel like I do get something. They have a process for a plant called osmosis. I don't know if the plant feels it. But it translates through the leaves. The sun's rays translate to a growth catalyst for the roots of that plant that causes it to grow and produce more fruit. I believe if that plant can get in the S-U-N, maybe I can get in the capital S-O-N and get some spiritual photosynthesis going on. And whether I feel it or not, something's happening to my roots. Something's happening in the area of fruit in my life. Something's growing. You got to believe just because you don't. I'm trying to get you out of your feelings. Come on, Drake Drizzle. Get out of your feelings. That's a rapper that's wrapped up about in your feelings. But I'm trying to get you in the spirit. Okay? Okay, you guys still with me? Now, how do I export this to the marketplace? Okay, so what I do is I've been praying, and I'm used to now God injecting his thoughts, impressions, and faces. Now, when I go outside, I stay in that place of communion with Holy Spirit. I didn't leave Holy Spirit back in my closet, right? In me, I have an office, I have a prayer room. I didn't leave Holy Spirit. He goes with me. He's the paraclete. He's the one called alongside. So I'm at Starbucks, and all of a sudden, I begin to tune in to what's around me. Sometimes people are all up like this all the time as believers, and it's like you're more tuned into your schedule than you are the Holy Ghost. Some point, this has got to go in the back pocket, and I just like to take wherever I'm at, I just like to glance and just say, I, this rhymes, don't, I, this is not a formula, but I say, God, who you're touching, who you're freeing, who you're blessing, who you're healing. Who you're touching, who you're freeing, who you're blessing, who you're healing. Come on, rappers. Come on, who you're touching, who you're freeing, who you're blessing, who you're healing. And, and it just, it just like, it's melodic to me, but I just go. And so what I do is I, I look for who stands out to me. There was an old horror movie. I don't watch horror movies. I, I shoo them. Like, I think it's stupid to pay massive money to ask a dump truck of the spirit of fear and demons to dump into your life, and you paid $17.50 for that ticket. That's just me. But the other thing, okay, in addition to that, is what you put before your eyes and ears affects that space of hearing from God. So it has to be set apart, right? What does the Bible say? One of the Beatitudes, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I said, God, with all the teaching on the prophetic and activation of prophetic and, and emerging of the office of the prophet. Why aren't we as a church more prophetic? I felt the Spirit of God say to me, he says to me, 
because you've not taken care of the purity of your imagination. Right? And God says, if you take care of the purity of your heart, I'll take care of the clarity of your revelation. This is key. If you really want to be prophetic, what are you watching? What are you listening to? We're leaders. I don't even need to go in that category, right? When I'm with some younger people, they want to argue. I want to listen to this music. I want to... That's cool. You can listen to that and you'll go to heaven, but you ain't going to carry a lot of heaven with you because you got, you got a civil war going on in your head because you can't be listening about that singer glorifying immorality and bobbing your head to the beat with your, you know, your AirPod 3s, whatever the latest, right? You, I'm listening to the word. I'm listening to my audio book of the word of God. I'm trying to get as much word in me. I'm getting enough of the other stuff. And I believe in having fun. Morph and I, we like to watch certain kind of movies if they're clean and stuff like that. So I don't want to act like I'm a prude to anybody. All right. So back to this thought. Someone jumps out at me. Old horror movie construct was a person in a movie would jump out. Everybody else would fade back. For some reason, that kind of happens to me. My wife says she'll look at someone and they'll like light up like like some of you are underneath a light, like you're underneath a light right now, your face, right? So I've gotten that a couple times, but all of a sudden, it's like someone's highlighted to you. Another thing, and, and this is one of the first times I was a Kava campus pastor, first time it would happen in a public setting. I'm, I'm speaking, I'm in WPC222, University Pacific, doing my Kava meeting, and I see that a girl, and I knew her because Elena Olden played on our uh, volleyball team at that time with the number three volleyball team in the nation behind Hawaii and Stanford. She comes in the room, but I don't know anything else. So I'm preaching. All of a sudden, as I'm, I'm closing out, I see a, <laughs> y'all stick with me. Say, we're the brother, all right? I see a quick flash of a woman's thigh. And I'm like, oh, my God, I bind this in the name of Jesus. I come against you old demon of, you know. But then I see what looks like a red dot that kind of, like, looked like it pulsated. And then all of a sudden, I had this thought. I, I promise you, I never used the word before. Contusion. And so I just felt enough God on you. Like, I couldn't shake it. I'm going through all my little things, praying in the Holy Ghost, praying the Spirit. Why? Because the same Spirit that inspires your heavenly language is the same Spirit that inspires your prophetic gifting. So pray in the Holy Ghost. I, I pray. If I know I'm a flow, I pray often in the Holy Ghost, and that helps me connect to the flow. Worship and tongues and word is huge, okay? So long story short, I said, is some... I can tell it was a girl. Is there a girl here that you have a thigh contusion? Elena stands up. She's a star player. She's actually went to the Olympics. She had a thigh contusion. She couldn't play in the game. We were going to lose. I had some girls pray for her. I'm not going to lay hands on her thigh, right? <laughs> some of the girls buy her lay hands. She gets healed. We win the next game against a ranked team. She's testifying. They had sent, like, uh, I don't know who it was. I don't know if it was ESPN, but one of the major. And she says, hey, I'm going to love Jesus Christ, and man, they prayed for me. God healed my thigh, and I got healed, and she got healed, right? Well, how did that happen? All of a sudden, out of no place, I'm going to close. I get a quick picture, a glimpse of a thigh. You know how quickly we could dismiss that? But I stayed with it. I go, okay, maybe there's something God on it. And this is what I find out. You have to dialogue after you get that first impression. Okay, Lord, what's, what are you showing me? What's going on? So all of a sudden, something jumps out. I dialogue, what's going on? Okay, now here's an answer. I, I want to give this, and then we're, we'll flow and we're done because there's so much more I could give you, but I, I know we got lunch. Have you ever missed it, Sean? Absolutely. Recently, <laughs> one time I was walking into, uh, what was it? Sell Subway. I walked in the Subway, 
I was with my son and his friend, who's a spiritual son of mine. We're going to get some Subway sandwiches. All of a sudden, as I'm turning my sandwiches, I see two well-dressed, looks like businessmen, executives type. And all of a sudden, as I walked by him, I felt a pain in my back. Now, this is so important. This is what I say. If, because when you're prophetic, your whole body becomes an ear. Y'all stick with me. So it's not just that it registers as an impression. Your body can pick up an impression. Some people would call that uh, uh, sympathetic pains, right? So all of a sudden, my back hurt. Now, here's what I did. Like, outside of Subway, my back did not hurt. I'm at the counter getting my Subway sandwich. My back did not hurt. I look at a man, and I'm walking by him. All of a sudden, my back hurts. Now, what we would do, oh, my God, what's wrong with my back? Oh, my God, I need prayer. No, 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 no. God is signaling to you that he's doing something in somebody's back. One time I was working out, I'll go back to the story. I was working out at 24-Hour Fitness, and I was ne next to a, uh, a, a beautiful elderly uh, Asian lady. I'm, I'm part Asian, not that it gives me license to, to say anything crazy, but just for the record, all right? <laughs> you got to be saying but I say that to say she had Gucci, Louis Vuitton. She had all, she was like in that movie Crazy Rich Asian, right? My mom is like, she, you look at my mom, my past, she looks totally Asian. My mom's half Filipino, I'm a quarter. Okay. And so all of a sudden, I get on the machine next to her, I feel like I wanna kill myself. I feel immediately the most depressed. I'm not, I used to be depressed. I used to wanna go, I got joy now. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Two steps off the elliptical machine, nothing. One step towards it, nothing. I get on the machine next door, boom, it hits me. God is allowing me to feel what's going on in her life. I end up praying for it. I, I, now, there's a time I missed it, right? But I didn't think I missed it, but it, it didn't go well. So I walked to this guy, and I said, hey, how are your sandwiches? And the guy thought I worked for Subway. He said, oh, yeah, that's pretty good, you know, whatever. I, I could use more chips or whatever. I'm like, oh, I'm glad it's good. And I said, hey, by any chance, any of you guys have a, a problem in your, in, in your back that you have this kind of stabbing pain? The younger executive, he probably had a bad experience with Jesus because the more agnostic and the more vociferous you are, we, you were having that conversation with a, a precious brother, the more vociferous atheists and hardcore people, they got wounded. They got hurt. You're hurt. You're evidently hurt, and that's the reason why you're spewing like that because I'm not running around with anti-UFO bumper stickers. I don't, if you don't believe, you're atheist, you don't believe God exists, why would you spend all your life attacking someone you don't believe exists? No, you do believe he exists. You felt like he disappointed you, so you're going to spend the rest of your life trying to hurt the image of that in others. It's not going to work, okay? So just reckon. So the dude jumps up and screams at me, goes off. He stopped short of talking about my mama. I mean, he's just going off. I'm being embarrassed, right? Like, this is not the place for that. You keep that boom, 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 boom. And all the while, I'm looking at the older dude because it was him that was by, and he, he didn't make eye contact with me. And he never responded. And so I said, hey, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you guys. Hey, man, you know, God bless you guys. I walked out. I felt low in that moment, but as I was walking out, God says, that's exactly the obedience I'm looking for. And I'll just leave you with this. There are going to be some times you're going to step out, and it may not land. That's kind of the terminology. Did it land? Now, it may still have an impact, but from your perspective, it didn't land. I have found, and one time I was flowing a little bit, and God, I said, God, I'm going to quit. This is not. And God said, did I tell you that it didn't land, that, it, that it's not connecting with people? No. Well, then you believe it. And then sure enough, I started getting people come up to me after, hey, it was me. I'm sorry. I should have stood. Hey, it was me. I'm sorry. And I'm like, when I was young, I'm like, Man, I'm not going to pray for you because I look like a fool because you didn't stand up. You could have obeyed God when everybody was watching. Now I just, I just smile because here's the thing, and, and we're going to close, and I want to flow a little bit. God said to me early on, he said, Sean, 
He says, you got to lose your reputation before I can close you with, clothe you with mine. I think some of us are too worried about our reputation. Now, I'm not talking about character. I'm talking about reputation. I say, I think we're too worried about our reputation. We're too afraid to miss it. you got to take risks. If you don't walk away with anything else, step out and take some risks. Pray for somebody. And because of time, we, I'm not going to have time to do this. But what I would have you do normally, and maybe we could do it at some point in time, is get with someone, pray for them, and say, God, how do you want to bless this person? I believe in asking God questions, and that uh, 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 precipitates him responding. So, Lord, how do you want to bless this person? Or, Lord, what's going on there? Uh, practice a discipline of awareness and see, you know, what's happening and what's going on. Okay? Oh, perfect. Perfect, sis. You are prophetic. Level four for me is hit the floor. God has spoken. Oh, my God. No doubt about it. God is all over this. Number four. Number three, very strong sense God is speaking. I'd be shocked if I didn't get the accompanying reassurance or confirmation of God speaking. Level two is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of sure, but I'm not sure. Level one is really light. Sometimes it helps me because if I'm getting a level four, I don't normally say it, but if I'm getting a strong level four, I would say, thus saith the Lord, the Lord is saying unto you, because I'm reflecting the, the strength of the revelation. But if I'm getting a level two communication from God, I'm not going to say, thus saith the Lord. I might say, you know, I kind of get this impression. Does this mean anything to you? So let your verbiage protect you. Everything doesn't have to be thus saith the Lord because if it's not God, you saying it's God is not going to make it God. And if it is God, you not saying it's God is not going to make it any less of an impact on the person in front of you. But I believe there are all those times when it's such a level four. That's, that's how I measure it. Like, oh my God, hold the phone. We heard from God. When it's a level four, I don't have a problem with saying thus saith the Lord to somebody. But I always give people the right, hey, you got you to gotta test that. You know what we did after the false Trump prophecies. Can we just be honest? Let me tell you what we did. We started distancing ourselves from the prophetic a little bit subtly. Because we're like, oh my God, you know, like, oh my God, this kind of stuff. And the Lord reminded me that Paul said this two things about the prophetic. He says, test all prophecies, despise no prophecies. And we failed on both points. The reason why some of that stuff floated is that we didn't test the prophecy. And then we responded by despising all prophecy. And Paul says, hey, bring it back. Test all prophecies, despise no prophecy. So let's just get back. Let's reset if you've got a bad taste in your mouth over the prophetic. Let's get back. You are empowered to test it. You have the Spirit of God living in you. Don't, do not blindly go on what someone else tells you, no matter what their office, or no matter what their track record. I might pray about it a little bit more if they got a great track record. But I still am responsible to hear from God. I believe in the priesthood of every believer. Can y'all receive that? Is that okay? And then flip side, don't despise prophecy. To despise prophecy is to quench the Holy Spirit. Because if he's inspiring a word, thanks, bro. If he's inspiring a word, all right, bow your heads, Holy Spirit.